Welcome everybody to the Ground Level Podcast. This is your host Isaac Jones with my wonderful co-host Renee Castellanos. Hello. And um, we are here with a very special guest. His name is Stefan Bincheng Mao. We're very excited about um, introducing him to you. He's incredibly impressive. So um, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, first, thanks so much for inviting me. You're I'm welcome. Stefan Bincheng Mao. I'm a first year student here at NYU, majoring in international relations. I'm also considering to have a, t- a second major in philosophy. Terrific. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. So. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm the founder and president of the East Coast Coalition for Tolerance and Non-Discrimination. We're a mm-hmm. nonprofit dedicated to promoting uh, social inclusion for marginalized communities, especially minorities. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, current climate, I believe that's very crucial right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that's very exciting. We'll definitely talk about your organization later. But first, um, explain to me what are going to be talking to us about today. Yeah, awesome. Today, we're mainly going to focus on the rise of xenophobia and even racism against mm. Chinese people and Asian people in society, especially now during the coronavirus outbreak. Okay, so super topical. But explain to me, like, how has this affected you personally? Oh yes, me and along with many of my friends that we know, mm-hmm. we have, uh, there are friends who are of mine who have been targeted simply because they spoke Mandarin Chinese in public mm-hmm. and their rooms are vandalized. Close friend of mine, he he's going to school in Italy right now. Yeah, like, in Bologna, yeah. which is in where Bologna, I'm from. The University That's of Bologna. Crazy. Yes, he was speaking Chinese in public and his room was vandalized like the day after. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, even here in New York City, just a few days ago, a person that I knew, my close friend from uh, high school, mm-hmm. uh, he was wearing a mask in the New York City subway and then yeah. He was targeted by some other people on the subway and people were chasing him out after that. So the issue is when we approach this topic, when we think about the discrimination and different and exclusion against a certain minority people, first, is that really helpful for our society? Sometimes, especially now during a virus outbreak, is that productive for you or is it actually detrimental to our disease control efforts? I believe that's yeah. a crucial thing that we need to talk about. For me, it seems like this, this issue came up like really fast. You know, I remember in, I in December, I, I was hearing it for the first time, and mm-hmm. now, like, it's taken over exponentially. A lot of people, I, I feel like, do not know in depth the, the background for this issue. So, mm-hmm. do, would you mind giving a little bit of history, a little bit of background with this issue and how it kind of developed into this xenophobic epidemic? Well, first, this virus originated in Wuhan, China, in a city in central China, back in late 2019, around December. Mm-hmm. And then after that, this virus started to spread. So then the Chinese government shut down the entire province surrounding that to try to control this virus. But then there are already people who are out of the province they are spreading the virus. And that's how initially when people heard of this, since all the, the virus first hit China and Chinese people accordingly, people say, oh, this is somehow becoming a China virus that only Chinese people are, are being oh, yeah. affected. And then they try to well, exclude Chinese people for, well, they will argue for their own protection, which is entirely not to. And this has happened oh, yeah, this all is over the world. All over the world. Right now, like initially, uh, there was a radio podcast in the Netherlands. They were around the first countries to be hit in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then the, the radio, uh, this Radio 10 of the Netherlands, they actually made a song called Prevention is Better Than Chinese when you translate that into English. So that's entirely the opposite of what we should do in front of a disease that might affect everybody. It's not just Asian people, not just Chinese people, but everybody. You said that you created a petition around this radio show? Oh yes, uh, so after this Radio 10 incident happened in Netherlands, the Chinese communities and Asian communities from around the world saw this as an extreme affront to our basic mm-hmm. dignity. Right. This is entirely not acceptable. In the song, uh, well, the, the anchor called for a boycott of Chinese food, a boycott of Chinese culture and people, which is just entirely That's- out of of this century. So That's after crazy. that, I, along with my coalition, the East Coast Coalition for Tolerance and Non-Discrimination, we collaborated mm-hmm. with residents in the local area, they're Dutch Chinese, and then we organized a petition for the lower house of the Dutch parliament. And in a week, we collected
collected over 50,000 signatures and this case has already been sent to the parliament. Right, so is there any like recent news on, on that? Like any recent relevant? Well, first, the parliament is still listening to the case yeah. and they're attempting to pass a motion. Just to be clear, what parliament are you talking about? The Dutch, the Dutch parliament. parliament. The, Dutch the lower parliament. house of the Dutch parliament. Wait, so this petition has moved on to the Dutch parliament. Uh, yes. Right. So th this <laughs> thing has obviously gotten like international concern. And, oh, and absolutely. It's been happening in places within the country as well. You know, I, I heard that there was a petition in Toronto mm -hmm. from a group of parents, 10,000, over 10,000 signatures wanting to monitor Chinese Canadian students who have may have like gone back to China for the new year. So this thing is obviously like this sort of massive issue. And I just want to, I want to hear from you. I think a lot of people have trouble discerning between the issue of health, the virus mm -hmm. itself, and then with the issue of xenophobia and Absolutely. racism. So question. would you want to explain a little bit what at the core is the issue? Yes. Well, that's a wonderful question, first of all. And then when we approach this issue, when we think about this, Regardless of, of your ethnicity, whether you're Asian, you're Chinese, you're, you're Caucasian, you're Latino, you're Native Americans, you're, any, you're African Americans. The issue is, if you have been to an, an area affected by this virus in the past 14 days, you should get examined and get cleared by medical authorities. But then, when someone is Asian, and he or she wears a mask and they become targeted, mm -hmm. that's racism plain and simple. Because this virus not only affects Asian people, it affects everybody, people of all races and ethnicities. And, and I think that's a good point because we were, we were talking earlier and people have noted this on social media, like Italy is one of the places where it was most affected outside of China, outside of East Asia. Mm -hmm. And when you see someone that is Italian American or Italian, the discrimination is not you know, oh, there. Yes. right. So it, Not you see anyone who is someone from Thailand, someone from any other country in East Asia, and just because they they seem to be from that part of the world, even if they are American, born and bred, they face discrimination at incredible rates. When the Ebola outbreak happened, I remember in high school. I was in high school at the time, and and people who were African-American never having gone to Africa were facing yeah. discrimination. This hyphenated American culture, this stigma against being a hyphenated American. I yeah. feel like is, is a big part in, in the issue behind this. Mm -hmm. And this is such a wonderful point. Just a few days ago, BBC reported that a Singaporean a student studying in London was beaten by people on the streets of London. He was beaten? Yes. In London? Uh, yes, in London, just because he appears Chinese and he's Singaporean. He hasn't yeah. been to China for the, the entire duration of this virus outbreak, which is completely <laughs> insane. That's ridiculous. Yes, and many of the things, and we look at this incident by itself right now, mm -hmm. when it affects not just Chinese people, but other people who appear to be East of East Asian descent, mm -hmm. that's how we know this thing has really gotten out of control and it's really detrimental or at least counterproductive to our disease control efforts. But let me ask you to just clarify one thing. There is a rampant stereotype, both abroad and here in the US, about Chinese people eating dogs, for example, and Chinese people eating bats and everything. So I just wanted to ask you to really clear up this stereotype, and also if you can talk about what wet markets are. Well, yes. Well, thanks so much for the question. Well, first and foremost, let's, let me be absolutely clear. 99.99% of Chinese people don't eat bats, we don't eat dogs. I don't eat dogs at all. I don't know any person <laughs> in my extended family or all of my friend groups that eat dogs. But here's the thing. Well, you have this stereotype of Chinese people eating these, these wild animals or animals in general. Some, we institute this, also uh, the mindset of the stereotype that Chinese people are somehow not civilized compared to the Western world, yeah. which is such an outrageous stereotype that often contributed to the xenophobic and racist sentiments against East Asian people. And for this wet markets, we now know that there is at least a prominent theory regarding the origin of this novel coronavirus. It originated in a Wuhan city, Sifu 
market where there were uh, illegal tradings of wildlife animals. So the, the background behind this is after the 2002-2003 SARS outbreak in China, the government passed a legislation banning a significant portion of the wildlife animals. However, because the country had, uh, we have a history of hunger and limited agricultural production. So at back then, in the 1970s and 1980s, wildlife animals was a source of food consumption. That's why there is an industry and people employed there. And then after the ban, people still wanted to hold on. And even now, if there's plenty of agricultural products, people still want to hold on to this job and this uh, economic opportunity. And that's mm -hmm. how illegal tradings, at least we can see from the evidence that we have now, continue in this seafood market. And I hope the government will act swiftly to, to ban any actions regarding this issue. I want to take the time to talk about a phrase that I um, personally have been uneducated towards. Yellow peril has mm -hmm. been kind of thrown around uh, by like news uh, outlets, you were mentioning something from France, did yeah. the same earlier. Do you, do you mind talking and explaining a little bit about what that phrase means, how is it problematic, and, and oh, why yeah. has it arisen kind of in the last few months? Yeah, absolutely. So first, yellow pearl is extremely racist term and offensive term towards uh, Chinese people and East Asian people. This phrase originated in the gold rush back in San Francisco and Oregon, California, uh, almost a century ago. And because of that place, when Asian people were competing for resources, economic opportunities with local people, mostly Caucasian people, and then this concept of, why, of yellow pearl, how yellow people, were, which is by itself very racist, and are somehow detrimental to the American society. And then just recently, with this novel coronavirus outbreak, a French magazine literally put a cover, the cover page was the phrase yellow pearl, which is just completely unacceptable by itself, not just because it's racist, but because it's not close to any factual evidence being presented to us right now. How do you think that we can move forward as a society? We've talked about all these bigoted ways of proceeding the coronavirus issue. So yeah, how should we move forward? Well, yes, first and foremost, we should definitely raise public awareness regarding this issue. This coronavirus is not just affecting Chinese people or East Asian people, it's mm -hmm. affecting people of all descents, Iranian people, Italian people, South Americans, North Americans, and South Koreans, North Koreans in that regard. So we, when we fathom this issue and we feel like it, it affects every single person, excluding a minority, it's only gonna be counterproductive to what we want to achieve, the ultimate end of this virus, because uh, minorities might be hesitant to go to a doctor or even go to public to seek help when they actually need medical examination. And besides, uh, as for our governmental policies, effective policymakers should now institute or implement effective measures to raise people awareness on how they can prevent the spread of the virus. For example, just a few days ago, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio went on the New York City subway without wearing a mask or any protective gears, just say, oh, you guys should just calm down. And then just, we were recording this today, and just 40 minutes ago, New York State Governor Cuomo declared a state of emergency over this virus. So considering yeah. the, the back and forth uh, of governmental policies, when, when we create a confusing picture for the public, it's less likely the public will have the correct measures and have the mm -hmm. correct mindset to deal with this virus. So you think that, in other words, to move forward, we should A, eliminate just all the racist bigotry, but also B, be much more conscious of the medical risks associated yeah, with the be virus. be rational about it, yes. It is a yes. virus that's being proved to be highly transmissible, it's airborne, and then there are some politicians I, I recall calling it not severely infectious, like it's almost as uh, similar to influenza, which is yes. completely not true. Influenza is 0. Point something percent mortality rate. For this one, it's over 2%. WHO just called it over 3%. And President Donald Trump apparently didn't take the numbers by uh, itself. He, he mentioned it like uh, as yes. it was like a, like a small call, like a flu. Oh, yes, yeah. which is especially for this public health crisis, for any crisis like this, 
it is not the right measure when we downplay this and completely ignore the facts. We need to follow the evidence. You, you, you were speaking about public awareness a lot, the need to raise it in order to solve like issues like xenophobia and racism. Now, going towards more of a medical aspect, is there anything that we can learn from past experiences with like SARS and Ebola and, and, and how we can implement those lessons learned from those diseases to now. People should refrain from touching their faces. That's one of the prominent points that all health officials are making right now. But just a few hours ago, the Washington Post uploaded a video uh, portraying all the US government officials saying, well, the, the previous second saying, let's not touch their face. And the second second, they touched their face themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, so, did, I did see uh, that. So by themselves, we have to understand how serious this issue is. As outside from don't touch your face, we also refrain from traveling to affected regions. Some of my close friends here at NYU, a friend of mine, from mainland China. His roommate is still planning to travel to the UK over the spring break. And when he come back for after spring break, this uh, friend of mine have to stay outside of his dorm, live in the hotel for something for 14 days because, well, otherwise you can't isolate yourself back then. Mm -hmm. So now we have to raise the awareness also regarding the medical issues. How we should prevent the spread of the virus. We should watch our hands, we should refrain from, from touching faces, but also more importantly, if possible, to refrain from going to public gatherings and also even wear masks if you have uh, disposable resources. So in that regard, we can really lower the, the, the risks of people uh, contracting the virus. So moving forward from this, going back to the organization that you founded. So it has about a thousand members now. It has a petition which has been submitted to the Dutch parliament. What else? Oh yes, uh, this organization has grown to over a uh, thousand members across 13 colleges in North America. And we have received the NYU Social Impact Grant of, to carry out our mandate. We are dedicated to promoting social inclusion uh, for minorities and other marginalized communities. As of today, I personally testified before the New York State Senate's uh, annual budget forum and also talked to what? Judiciary uh, Committee Chairman uh, Senator Hoyman of New York State yeah. to advance this issue and how we can go forward to demarginalize, to, to actually promote social inclusion, and more importantly, equity for minorities. Wait, let me get this straight. You're a freshman, right? Oh yes, I'm a freshman. <laughs> okay, how have you had time to not only found your own organization, but grow it to a thousand members? And within the first semester too. Like yeah. That. Well, that's well, that's a great question. I often <laughs> ask about that myself. Well, first, as I, as I said before, whatever cool achievements, quote unquote, that we might think, it comes with a lot of sleepless nights. It comes with very uh, great number of stress and pressure on me. So last semester, this all originated in the first semester of my freshman year uh, in 2019 where there was a wave of xenophobic and anti-Semitic incidents here in New York City. And I decided to stage a rational, a principled demonstration that needs to voice our opinions. And often minorities are voiceless, some, sometimes because uh, of language barriers or because they're not particularly politically active, which is somewhat contributing or is somewhat not assisting us how to demarginalize minorities. And when we consider this, and I tried to organize this with a few of my friends from NYU CES, NYU uh, Stern, and then it suddenly got traction. Ultimately over 600 people, students and professors from seven under NYU graduate and undergraduate schools attended our protests. It was covered by over 27 medias from both domestic and international outlets. We got around 7.8 million views across all media outlets. And later on, I met with Congressman Kennedy of Massachusetts uh, to discuss, who was the vice chair of the Senate Subcommittee on Health, to discuss this issue around racism and also discrimination around this coronavirus outbreak. You were talking about the Kennedy? Oh, he's yeah. The yeah uh, he's a House representative uh, representing the uh, district in Massachusetts. He's the grandson <laughs> of 
Attorney General Robert Kennedy. Ah, Jesus. Yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's, he's a very genuine person. That's, honestly. that's good. Yeah, that's good genuine. to hear. That's good to yeah, hear. Yeah, really, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's from, uh, we had a brief conversation. He, he's very busy. But uh, I'm glad that he was willing to have this discussion. That's amazing. But just, um, but just one last thing about your organization. This is all really impressive. Do you have any petition that you've been working on lately? Oh yes, uh, it's not a petition, but we have uh, social justice projects. We now have five projects. The, the mm -hmm. two ongoing ones are for, number one, name equality for minorities. Many people with non-Western names often get their names mispronounced here in North America. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's contributed to a sense of alienation from their own culture because nobody yeah. else is pronouncing my name correctly. Yeah. That happened to me. My Chinese name, Bin Chang, not meant that many people can pronounce it correctly. So I adopted the name Stefan, and then people still didn't get it. So I changed it to <laughs> Time, which is really like, like, and I understand how painful even from time to time it is for minorities or for people or anyone with non-mainstream first names or and last names. So regarding that, this name equality for minorities project, we want to create a name pronunciation bank categorized uh, by names from different cultures and try to raise people's awareness around this issue and also to c communicate with college authorities. For example, NYU recently rolled out a name pronunciation feature on oh, NYU, yeah. Albert NYU yes. uh, and other NYU platforms. I talked to NYU authorities over this period and made suggestions on how how they might update or uh, at least roll out this feature. So, Wait, as a freshman, you've talked with NYU authorities about oh, how yes, to I, uh, implement uh, this feature. Yes, as long as it can help the NYU community, I think it's meaningful. Are you sure that your days only last 24 hours? How do you get all this stuff done? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, initially, when I was uh, organizing this coalition, uh, I often get only two or three hours of sleep. It was very stressful. But yes, I'm wow. I'm genuinely glad that at least we can have some impact and make a difference in, in improving people's lives. We make it a general habit to, to ask every guest if there is a book, movie, song related to the topic that, uh, you know, at hand. So is there anything that you would recommend? Oh yes, absolutely. I would recommend the movie Contagion to our listeners. The movie is about the spread of a contagious disease from East Asia to and as it spread it across the world. It's really an interesting and fascinating reflection of what is happening in our real life right now. And I, I, I hope that people can learn from some of the mistakes portrayed in this movie and, ref, and reflect on themselves and, how, and think about how we might approach this novel coronavirus with a more rational mindset. I remember actually seeing the movie when it came out. There was one line about how you touch your face 200 times a day. That was scary. But listen, Stefan, it was really great to have you on the podcast for all the listeners out there. We have linked Stefan's organization so that you can go out and support its latest efforts. We have also linked the movie Contagion so that you can go and watch it. And yeah, this is just a, such a great episode. Thank you Thank so much you. for coming. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much.